0: One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to start trapping. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write where can it go from here. They would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Represent, love game in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will to be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volume of Perfection Game Magazine. Instructional to Go on with Perlenin's articles. The Perlenin ads. Tool for Trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody, listen a bit. System, to me. Develop a system yet? Cause working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables much the jerk, you got bobcat. He started talking about these big fans. Most of my tuna are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waiters. The back of that beaver looks like it's here. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you here as always each and every week trapping today podcast is brought to you by kotz brothers lures k-a-a-t-z-p-r-o-s.com trap smarter work harder enjoy the success that follows they have trap snares baits and lures books and dvds kotz Bros has everything you need to get started on the trap line we're also brought to you by on x max turn your phone into a fully functioning gps you can mark trap locations track your movements On the TRAP line, find landowner information, browse aerial imagery, and do so much more. OnXMaps.com. We still have the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to save 20% off of your purchase of Maps. 30 bucks a year, you're going to use this app all of the time. It's just a great resource to have. Okay, lots to talk about today. There's going to be just to tad, a little bit of background noise, potentially, I have the Fur Harvesters auction uh, sale on in the background. It is live streaming. It's Sunday, the 30th of August, Sunday afternoon, and uh, they just got done. They started auctioning at 8 o'clock this morning. They did uh, Wolf, Wolverine, and we're working on Black Bear right now. Uh, sounds like there's some active bidding going on right now. Um, I'll turn that down just a bit, but just trying to keep, uh, keep on track of what's going on because uh, uh, after they're finished, these black bears are going to start with Lynx cat, which is, West, which is Bobcat, and I'm, I'm guessing the high-value Western Bobcats, or the ones that have been traditionally high-value cats, are going to be up first, so I kind of want to get an idea of what the top end is on those and get a, get a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the fur market. Um, for this upcoming season, it's pretty important to have clearances of fur this time of year because going into the season, you know, you get a bunch of fur. It, traditionally, when the fur market was functioning as as it should be, you, you had all the previous year's fur essentially sold. Uh, at, and in its raw form, it was all gone and working through the system before you got into the next season, uh, with, with the exception of maybe a few items that didn't sell as well, depending on the year, but typically the majority of the fur uh, was sold already. Um, and the going into the new trapping season, uh, you didn't have a big backlog of fur that had to be sold before uh, marketing the, the current year's fur. Unfortunately, the last few years, we've had massive backlogs of fur because it's just not selling very well. And then this coronavirus added on to that, and it's just been a big disaster, really, in the fur market. I mean, we were poised to start turning around in the market. I thought in 2020, uh, prior to the onset of this virus and all of the associated interruptions in the supply chains across the world and world economies. So that's going to be an issue for a while, and <clears throat> we're hopefully, hopefully, fur harvesters can just kind of clear out some of this fur. So they planned on this auction months ago, for the end of August, not knowing, assuming that hopefully the Corona situation would be cleared up, and people could resume international travel and they could get buyers into North Bay. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Uh, coronavirus situation has continued on and potentially gotten worse in places. So the Canadian border is still closed. So the only buyers present at the auction right now are, are buyers from Canada. So no doubt some of those buyers are bidding for international buyers. Um, and and so there's some of that taking place, but it's still limiting w- what the actual sales clearances are probably gonna be and what the prices are gonna be. So uh, wolves wolves did, it's hard to say, a lot of wolves didn't move. Um, it, it, the, the higher end wolves early on there were, you know, 200, $250 wolves being sold. And then all of a sudden you move down the list a little ways and, and there was just no demand and they blew through a whole bunch of unsold animals. And then toward the end, they get to the lower quality wolves, the hundred dollars and less club. And those, there was some competitive bidding there. So there, those kind of sold fairly decently. Uh, Wolverine was very similar. Uh, some four or five hundred dollar Wolverines early on and then the things dropped off pretty quickly there were a large number of there were over 300 Wolverines offered for sale I think 317 and a large number of those did not sell and there are a lot of them that had minimums of around $300 and no bidders wanted to pay 300 for them once you got down to that 100 150 zone uh, those were kind of maybe the smaller Wolverines a lot of them were slight damage or damaged those seem to move okay, but it was kind of disappointing. I geez, I I was thinking, man, it'd be nice to be a buyer in that room right now. If I, you want to get your hands on some Wolverine pelts, they're just such beautiful pelts and and such valuable fur to to make into a parka liner and and hats and mitts and everything. It'd be pretty awesome to have a bunch of Wolverine pelts, and you pick them up at some pretty good prices right now. But anyway, that's uh, kind of Going on on to bear and then bobcat and then later on we got links and martin so I'm guessing we'll be listening to links and martin this evening uh, that'll be uh, kind of exciting I've got i I know my friend Jim from Alaska has uh, quite a few links that are in the auction and I've got some martin in the auction so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what certain specific lots go for if they sell at all but we'll get into that so. Uh, there are a number of topics I want to touch on tonight. There, I just uh, muted that auction background. And it, the cool thing is they're actually, for the first time, they're streaming the auction on YouTube, which means there's a lot less chance of having all these interruptions and breakdowns of the the equipment. And it it seems like the you have multiple crashes every single time. FHA or nafa would have auctions in the past and have live online listening um, so this is good you know just use a, a company like YouTube that knows how to do this and live stream and and uh, a lot less chance of things going wrong so things have gone quite smoothly today in the auction and I'm just kind of watching the YouTube screen right now uh, as it's still on black bear and just I' wait and when I see if I see things turn to links I'll pause this uh, podcast and maybe try to see what's going on there and then and then resume but anyway uh cots brothers lures thank you guys for uh continuing to support cots bros taking advantage of all those discount codes that those have been really popular the cots bros deal of the week we'll have another one at the end of this episode uh and thanks for providing feedback when you make comments on your order uh kyle just sent another one of those to me uh last night and i love getting those uh messages from from buyers thanking them for supporting the podcast it's just great it's great to see that we are helping uh Cotsboro's business and uh, the advertising relationship works very well when people get results and I'm also just it's it's a privilege to be able to kind of turn you guys on to a trapping supplier that I have a lot of trust in and provides a really good product, really good prices, excellent service, and everything else is great, guys, to do business with, so thanks for that. We have the uh, OnX, so OnX Maps, we did that episode with Jared. A number of you uh, have have tried OnX uh, as a result of listening to that. And thank you for those of you who have taken advantage of that discount code for twenty percent off. Discount code trap T R A P at onxmaps.com. Um, but James from Tennessee had a little issue, and I wanted to go over that with you because I actually had the very same issue with Onyx when I started, and it's just a it's a, a learning process. You, you know, any new app that you try, there's going to be some things that you have to figure out. And so um, he what he was doing is he started. He downloaded the app. Everything was going good. He went out in the field and he started marking waypoints where he used, you know, trap locations and such. And he said, the waypoints, I'm marking the waypoints, but they're nowhere near where the actual trap location is. I don't understand. And I knew instantly what was going on because I, the same exact thing happened to me when I started. So... When you pull up that uh, OnX screen and you're looking at the aerial photos and the aerial imagery and you see your dot where you're at and you go to mark stuff you have a couple of options um, for tools and stuff and things to do. And the two that you're going to see that have to do with waypoints is um, add waypoint and mark my location. Now there's a reason that those are two different commands that you can use within OnX because one of them adds a waypoint, one of them marks your location. The waypoint is not necessarily going to mark your location. So here's here's what happens. When you hit add waypoint, the waypoint is gonna be added to the direct center of your screen wherever you're looking at the time. When you mark my location, the location, that's gonna add a waypoint exactly where you are standing and where your phone is at the time. So there's a reason for this, and you've got to make sure you you know what you're doing, whether you're adding a waypoint or marking a location, because um, the reason that there are two different buttons is a lot of times you could be at home scrolling through the map and looking at places and scouting things out, and you have an area that you want to go to. Well, if you have that centered on your screen and you hit add waypoint, it'll pop down that waypoint where you are looking at on the map. And then you can actually move that around on the map and, and fine-tune where you want it to be. That's for you to mark things ahead of time so that you can navigate to them. Mark my location is just like dropping a, one of the old GPS units they used to call it a man overboard. You just hit it real quick and it marks where you're at. And, and so both of them have their utility but you got to make sure that when you hit add waypoint a lot of times like you, you may be out in the woods and you're looking on the screen where you're at. And you you scroll a little bit off to the left or right, you move the screen around a little bit, or you zoom in and you zoom back out. Then when you hit add waypoint, it'll add the waypoint on the center of your screen. And if your screen has moved a little bit, it's not gonna be where you're standing. Uh, I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to explain it as as carefully as I can. But if, if it doesn't, just start playing with the app and you'll know what I mean. Um, Even if you don't wanna buy the subscription, just uh, hop on there and do the free trial and you can use a bunch of it without paying um, a fee anyway. But um, if you, there's a a compass dot, uh, there's kind of a compass button that you can press um, that will always, no matter what you're doing, it'll take you back to, it'll, it'll zoom the map in, the center of the map will be where you're standing. And if you hit that button and then hit add waypoint, It'll be centered where you're standing, and the waypoint will be right where where your GPS, where your phone is at the time. So um, if you hit that every time before you hit add waypoint, it'll just be just like mark my location. Um, but if you if you do add the waypoint and you're not centered on uh, your specific uh, location, then just be aware that it's not going to add a waypoint right where you're standing. Just uh, make sure you know the difference because you don't want to go through and have a bunch of these where you've marked them and uh, you go back and, and you can't find your trap because your your uh, waypoint is not on the dot that you that you expected it to be. Um, just another thing, any other tips? If you guys have questions, let me know. I'll try to answer them. The Onyx team is really, really good with uh, customer service and support. So um, th- you can always ask them questions and, and they're happy to help. Moving on, the Mustelid t-shirt. Guys, this has been, um, I've been slacking. I haven't got the Mustelid t-shirt on the website until now. Now it is up. Go on trappingtoday.com. You will see the Trapping Today t-shirt is for sale. Now, a few of you guys are like ninjas and you emailed me. It wasn't up for sale and you just emailed me or the Instagram, a lot of Instagram guys. I apologize. I check my email, jrodwood at gmail.com, j r o d w o o d at gmail.com. If I'm not in the woods, I'm checking that multiple times every day. Um, If it's something like a t shirt order, I will get back to you as soon as possible and I'll see it. Instagram, not so much. So um, this time of year, I'm not posting a lot of trapping pics and the DMs do not go to my phone notifications because I get sick of getting constantly interrupted by Instagram notifications so I shut them off. So now I log in and sometimes it's like I haven't been logged in for 3 4 days and I see these messages of people looking for shirts and I apologize a couple of you have waited for a few days and uh, I think two of you actually just ended up emailing me and it worked out and then two others just kind of waited on the Instagram message and I finally got back to you and, and uh, you're getting your shirts as well. So. Um, you can still do that. Just let me know, and I'll send you an invoice. Um, but now you can just go on trappingtoday.com. Click on on the right-hand sidebar if you're on your uh, computer. If you're on your phone, you get to scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see a picture of the shirt and 25 bucks. That includes shipping. You're gonna have an order secure order form there that you can check out through. Um, uh, I w- people were pretty aggressive with the extra large. I'm running out of extra large. I think there's only three left. So if you are an XL, you probably want to get on that because um, this is kind of limited edition. I don't really plan on ordering more shirts at the time for the time being. So, and if I do, that's a process that takes time. So get on the XL. Um, there I do have plenty of large left uh, and small and medium. Sold out of extra small. Sold out of three XL. I have, I think, two XXLs left and three XLs. So uh, get on that. Order some shirts. Get your beautiful, incredible piece of artwork um, of the prized mustelids of the North American Trapper and a really high-quality T-shirt. I think you're going to love it. A lot of good feedback there. The book, Walter Arnold, Main Trapper, Stories from One of the Last Mountain Men. Very, very positive feedback. Actually, got a couple of people sent me, uh, um, they sent checks to order the book. You can uh, email me for my address, and you can send a check for $22, include shipping. I'll sign the book, send it off to you, um, good to go. But I, I had a couple of people do that, and they actually, um, well, I actually had probably uh 30 or 40 that mailed in checks for that which was pretty awesome but I've had a couple of people actually that have read the book already and have sent me thank you cards that saying how they really enjoyed the book and they appreciated it and all that so I thought that was really awesome that meant a lot um, and then uh, Amazon if you get the book on Amazon we I think there's 10 or 11 uh, re- reviews on there yeah, please leave a review I appreciate that and it helps other people find the book alright so, let me do a quick check on the auction. Looks like they're still auctioning black bears, so uh, we are good to go. We'll keep on recording here. Um, I What I want to talk about tonight is cold weather clothing on the trap line. I probably should have mentioned that before we got into this uh, 18 minutes into the episode. But I've been meaning to do an episode like this for quite a while. Um, I've had a few of you ask me in the past, uh, because uh, I'm in northern Maine and a lot of you guys are in... Uh, states that don't have as extreme a climate in northern Maine, or maybe it's somewhat close, you get cold spells, but maybe you're not as familiar with cold weather clothing. Um, I've had people ask about cold weather clothing. I've had people ask about um, gear and clothing for under ice beaver trapping, things like that. Um, So I've been wanting to do this for a while since I went to Alaska. And as cold as northern Maine gets, it's nothing compared to Alaska. I I can promise you that. Um, I, I really, uh, Alaska, I, I thought I dressed warm for northern Maine. You know, 0 to 20 below is pretty common in the wintertime here. Occasionally, it'll get down to 40 below, but only for a couple of days in winter. Some winters, it doesn't get down that cold at all. So, um, I you know, I thought we wore a lot of clothing here, but you really, really have to stack on the clothing and, and high-quality clothing to be comfortable in Alaska. Now, that's not to say you can't. Um, Just wear a bunch of cotton clothing and some jeans, some Levi's, and and, uh, 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 some gum rubbers and and survive in Alaska. But uh, number one, you may not survive. (laughs) Number two, you may survive, but you may not be very comfortable. Um, If you're like me, when I was a kid, we never had any money. Um, My parents worked minimum wage jobs, and it was... There was not much of a clothing budget. There was a hand-me-down clothing budget, is what we basically lived on. You know, never could buy uh, hip waders, for you know, to go fishing in or or, or wading around in streams in um, things like that. You just toughed it out. You just put an old pair of sneakers on and you walked around and got wet. And my dad always said, "Well, yeah, that's how you. That that's what makes you tough. That's how you." you you got to be tough, and, and you know it makes makes you tough to, to rough it like that. And at the older I get, the more I realized this kind of how ridiculous that actually is. Um, it just makes you crazy or or, or uh, um, somewhat miserable. Um, or maybe maybe toughness is just the ability to be ignorant of your pain. I don't know. <laughs> but the older I get, and the more I you know having a a, a decent job, I'm able to afford. Uh, more things. Um, I still don't spend a lot of money on things like clothing, but I, over time, I have gone into the habit of of lesser items of higher quality, and that has really done me very well because I just really enjoy being comfortable. Um, more and more, the older I get, the the more I I have experienced wearing comfortable clothes um, and very functional clothes for what I'm doing outdoors. The, the more i i really appreciate that having good gear so uh, for the enjoyment of your time outside on the trap line i think it's pretty important to have good clothing um, with that in mind i spent a lot of time uh, you know when when jim Furman uh, invited me to go up and trap with him in the interior of alaska um, it was i had a, I had about 10 months, 9 or 10 months of planning. And I thought about that trip every single day for that 9 or 10 months. Uh, Not a day went by when I wasn't psyched about, I'm going to Alaska. And planning things out and all that, that was as much fun as the trip, I think. was just preparing for the trip. Um, And and I went through, just repeatedly went through all the different clothing items I would need. Made lists, checked my list, made new lists, went shopping crossed items off my list, added items to my list, um, bounce things back and forth with Jim. He's done this all his life, so he knows you know what works and what doesn't out there. And uh, and I, I got a pretty good set of clothing together, and so what I want to do is kind of run you through head to toe or toe to head what I wore, what I brought for clothing, what I used, and how that all worked out, good or bad. Most of it was good. Um, but there were there were a few things that didn't didn't quite cut it for me. So, um, with a couple of caveats. So, um, I will give you just a, a quick little overview. So, so, what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit of why uh, I talked about why clothing, you know, I like comfortable clothing, functional clothing. I'll also talk about why there's another reason that I kind of need warm clothing, good clothing. Um, we'll talk about the, the trip and the, the conditions, the weather conditions uh, that took place and, and how the clothing was put to the test. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about specific gear and and specific brands and everything. And I'm going to, uh, to talk a lot of, of brand specific things. That does not necessarily mean that that's the only brand that makes what works for you. It just happened to be what worked for me. So. Um, I'll make suggestions. I'll probably provide links where I can to those products. Uh, some of them might be affiliate links where I might get a little percentage kickback from the company um, if you buy through those links. Most of them probably won't be. Uh, I'm just gonna gonna provide whatever the simplest link is that I can find. Clothing brands. Uh, there, there is. So, so let's first. Uh, start out by talking about this whole gear and clothing uh, brand thing. So there there are dozens of different manufacturers of clothing and cold weather clothing, outdoor clothing in particular. And the clothing uh, manufacturer lineup seems to be a bit of a hotbed for political issues at times. Uh, A lot of these outdoor companies have... Uh, seem to have political agendas, primarily because a lot of their customers uh, think a certain way. And because of that, they tend to react to what their customers want and how their customers feel. And sometimes they will make stands on like boycott issues, on um, a variety of different uh, political or environmental issues. Um, stances and positions. One of the biggest ones, for instance, is the Pebble Mine in Alaska. That's a a real hot button issue. It's a proposed, uh, I believe it would be mostly a copper mine in the Bristol Bay area that would potentially threaten a lot of salmon fisheries, uh, some of the best salmon fisheries in the entire world. And uh, one of the companies that i I occasionally buy gear from is Sims. They're a fly fishing company out of Bozeman, Montana. And they send out uh, emails um, on their newsletter. And they send out lots of emails about you know uh, fighting the, the Bristol Bay and uh, uh, fighting the pebble mine um, process and, and approval and the whole uh, permitting through the, uh, through the e- EPA and, uh, and through the feds. That they've gotten really political there because most of the people that buy Sims gear uh, are fishermen, and that is their priority. Um, there are other companies that have taken stances uh, on guns, on um, on uh, different you know f- forestry practices, all kinds of different things. And as trappers, we're probably pretty split. Um, some trappers are going to be very pro development, pro mining, pro logging, that sort of thing. Some are going to be very anti those things. So uh, it, you know, there's no there's no one common thing that that we can say we all agree on, except maybe we all agree that uh, people should be wearing more fur. Fur is uh, environmentally friendly. It's sustainable, and its uh, fur bears uh, are are well managed, and uh, fur trapping promotes. The uh, proper management of these species and helps with populations. Uh, we all we all I think agree to that. If we don't, then you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But regardless, um, what I'm saying is I, this is the gear that I chose because uh, for a number of reasons. Number uh, primarily because you're going to notice mo- most of my stuff or a large percentage of my stuff is LL Bean. Now, L.L. Bean has had some environmental sort of stances they've taken that uh, not everybody agrees with. And some people might uh, call L.L. Call L. L. Bean a bunch of uh, liberal tree huggers. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, it, but regardless uh, of, of how you feel, L.L. Bean makes quality product. And L.L. Bean is based in Maine. And they have a factory outlet three hours from my home and that's the closest place that I can get any quality outdoor gear um, at a reasonable price so I go to the L.L. factory outlet and I get a lot of my stuff there and I've spent a lot of money there because that's basically where it's at for me and I don't mind if I can drive three hours and I can actually try things on I can't tell you how many things I've during this process of shopping for this trip how many things I've actually had to ship back because they, they didn't fit. The size wasn't correct, or the fit wasn't right. I didn't like the way it fit. I get more picky as I get, you know, know what nice clothing feels like. I guess, and uh, I, boy, I spent a lot of time and effort trying to get the right stuff. It's nice when you can actually go there, and the factory outlet's typically gonna be like thirty to forty percent off or more uh, of of the uh, of the items that they will t- will typically sell in their catalog. So that is that's where I get a lot of my stuff, and whether you like it or not, sorry if you don't like it, but that's just the way it is. Um, there's also other alternatives for everything that I'm going to tell you here. There's probably an alternative, so uh, so you can choose based on what you what you want to do. Um, another point I want to make is I have kind of a specific situation. Not not going to be uh, uh, not trying to. To be a complainer or anything like that or uh, show want pity on me or anything, but I do have, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I started having issues with, uh, I couldn't keep my hands warm. I guess it was a year and a half ago. Um, and my hands and feet would be cold all the time. Uh, In the winter, no matter how many, how much, what I wore for clothing, it seemed like my hands and feet always got cold. Particularly my hands, my fingers, they they'd be freezing. Um, There's a syndrome called Raynaud's, and I think that's what I have. Basically, it's you something in your body is not sending the signal to send blood to your extremities as efficiently as it should. When I get moving and working and work up. sweat or you know the blood gets pumping and my core body temperature warms up my hands and feet warm up quickly Um, but sometimes it takes forever to get to that point and if I'm not moving around my hands get super cold and they kind of turn a bit white Um, and and it's just there's nothing seems to be nothing you can do to keep them warm so hands and feet uh, good gloves and good boots were very critical for me and I was very concerned about going into 40 and 50 below zero in Alaska and keeping my hands and feet from freezing. That so that was a concern. So I was kind of on hyper alert that I I really didn't want to mess this up and and uh, and be extremely uncomfortable or be kind of a baby and sit in the cabin when I should have been out trapping. So um, the the other thing is uh, is the conditions of the trip. We actually selected. Uh, February as a time for me to go go visit Jim and trap with him in Alaska because typically the weather tends to moderate in February. And when it's 50 below, like in December and January, they have a lot of 50 below days in the interior of Alaska. And when it gets to that point, a lot of times most trappers just stay in the cabin. And we really didn't want a situation where I went there for two weeks and I spent... Half the time or more just sitting in the cabin trying to wait out the cold. That would kind of put a real damper on the trip. Um, so that was kind of uh, the the idea behind making the trip in February. However, there were super cold snaps when I was there in February. It was forty and fifty below. So so it kind of was. Uh, it d- kind of didn't matter anyway. It was that January December January weather was hanging on in Alaska at the time. And it was just kind of poor luck, but uh, we got through it and it worked. And the clothing, a lot of the clothing really got the chance to uh, perform or not perform. And most of it did perform really well. And I didn't freeze. A um, little spoiler alert. So the, th- that was kind of the conditions, the trip. Um, and, and now let's let's get into the, let's start toe. Toes, feet, and work our way up uh, to the top. Starting at the feet, so socks are obviously very critical part of the wardrobe. Um, want to keep your feet warm? You want to keep your feet dry, and uh, there's a lot of different materials, synthetics, and wool blends that you can use now in socks that will uh, will keep you comfortable. Uh, the key, what, what I learned was, and, and what I've learned both here and in Alaska, was uh, you're gonna hear this theme very, uh, I'm gonna bring this up multiple times, is layers, 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 layers. And uh, that applies to socks as well. And so, it, to me, it was very important to have multiple layers of socks. You could add, you could remove, um, and, And you could also, if you had multiple layers and a big thickness uh, uh, between your your bare foot and your boot, there was also a chance for a lot of the moisture from sweat to to kind of uh, be absorbed by the socks. So my basic socks uh, that I wear here every single day since I've got on this big kick on comfort are called Fox River. And Fox River makes all kinds of different socks, but the ones I wear are like a wool blend uh, and they're a thin, <clears throat> they're a fairly thin wool sock. Um, actually, probably one of the thinnest wool socks that you'll find. Um, and, and they are uh, extremely, extremely comfortable. Um, very seldom do I sweat in them. You know, I used to be one of those guys that just wore those white cotton tube socks and when I started wearing these, these were for, these are ten to fifteen dollars a pair, as opposed to whatever ninety nine cents a pair for the, the cheapos. And when I started wearing these, it was just like I couldn't go back. I could not go back. So I bought a bunch of pairs, and I that's all I wear now is these Fox Rivers. Um, they've changed different models over the years, but um, I, overall, this generally it's uh, it's a oh I don't know it's not a it's kind of like if you pull it out full length, it's probably extends halfway between your foot and your knee. Um, and I usually fold those buggers down to, uh, to make them a little more comfortable. Um, so that's kind of the base layer sock. And then on top of that, uh, we're, I, I wear kind of a progressively thicker wool sock. And so we got a couple different sizes. The Columbia wool socks seem to be... Uh, pretty comfortable they in there the ones that I got were pretty uh, flexible so they were uh, th- they work pretty well for pulling over existing socks and then I got some really thick ones I can't even remember the brand they, they might have been beans um, uh, or they might have been car hearts I can't remember um, but I I got some real big thick ones to pull over the top uh, for the really cold really cold days so typically when I was in the cabin uh, there on the trap line with Jim, the, the floor of any Alaska cabin in the wintertime is going to be pretty cold. And so I would have those, uh, I typically have three layers of socks on. Um, wh- the, the Fox Rivers, the base, those kind of medium-sized Columbias, and then the big thick ones over top. And then I brought a pair of uh, slippers that I just got off Amazon real cheap, and those are really cozy to to kind of loaf around in the cabin with. And in fact, when there were cases where it hadn't snowed for a few days and all the trails outside were kind of packed down, like if you went out to use a bathroom or or grab something to eat, grab some ice, uh, grab for water, grab some uh, some snow to do dishes, grab some food, uh, you, a lot of times... I wouldn't even have to put the boots on. You know, I could could go out in those slippers uh, with the wool socks and on that hard pack snow. That was pretty convenient. So working our way to boots. Uh, boots are absolutely critical. So all the guys in Alaska have uh, what they call the bunny boots. And the, the bunny boots are these, They're most, most of them are white. And they're these big rubber boots that are just massive, massively larger than any other boot you've probably worn or seen. And they've got this really thick insulation. They are uh, military, mostly military surplus for cold Arctic weather. And they have this like really thick felt insulation between inner layer of rubber and outer layer of rubber. And the top of the boots actually aren't very insulated they and they're actually pretty short actually the ones that I wore were actually cut off pretty short above above the ankles and and so they don't have a lot of ankle insulation necessarily but the foot is just massive big bunch of insulation now when you look at the bunny boots and there there's a couple of different kinds and Jim Jim is well versed on this he we talked about it in, before I went to the trip and these things are super, well, they're not super heavy, but they're fairly heavy. I mean, to to walk around in. But he's there's there's the standard bunny boots, and then there's these ones called Beta bunny boots, I believe. And I think the Betas are like sort of a cheaper knockoff of the bunny boot, but they seem to work uh, close to as well, or or just as well as the originals, I guess. Um, And so Jim had a extra pair of bunny boots for me that I wore when I was out there, which was really convenient because they take up a lot of space and weight in your suitcase if you got to bring those with you. They were, I typically take like a size 11 or 12 in a boot and those were 13s and they were a little bit big, but... They're they're pretty comfortable boot, even walking around with a, a size too big. You can put on an extra pair of wool socks, and they, they seem to work okay. I wouldn't want to hike uh, up a lot of hills, up and down a lot of hills with them, uh, uh, being a size big like that, but um, the bunny boots were a lifesaver. So, I, when you look at the bunny boots, you don't necessarily think, oh man, that's going to be a really warm boot, but... but when you test them against other boots, it is unbelievable, they, they really do shine, they really are a super warm boot, um, despite how um, average they might look in terms of h- how much insulation they, they seem like they must have, because a lot of the Arctic cold weather boots that I've worn have like a separate, an insert like a, a liner, an insulated liner that you you insert inside the boot, and so you have kind of two layers, uh, the bunny boots don't have that. Apparently, they don't need it. I had two other pairs of boots, and one of them was a massive disappointment in terms of warmth. And th- these are super good boots. Um, they, they're they just, I, the make is awesome. They're super comfortable. They're very durable. they I just love walking around in these. And they are the Schnee's extreme pack boot. Um, I wear them all winter. I wear them on the trap line here in northern Maine. I wear them ice fishing in the wintertime here. Um, I, I wear them uh, sometimes like under ice beaver trapping. They're a $350 boot. They're super expensive. They're a rubber bottom leather top. Uh, just super comfortable for, for getting around and add that little element of waterproof as well. They are not warm enough for me in Alaska. They're just not. Um, I wear them in northern Maine down to zero to 20 below. Um, when when I get down to 20 below, or you know that that zero to 20 range, a lot of times that's where I switch uh, to to my other boots that I'll talk about in a minute. But the the Schneige just couldn't cut it. It's too bad because they were they're kind of like light enough that what what I did is I I had my my other winter boots packed in my suitcase. I had three pairs of boots. I had the the bunny boots Jim lent me when we were there. Then I had the uh, uh, other winter extreme boots that I had packed in my suitcase. And then I had I actually wore the Schnees, um extreme on the on the bus ride on the on the air in the airport in and out of the airport and I just take them off when, when uh, I put them on to go on the plane and then when I get off the plane, I'd strap them to, to my, uh, bungee hoard them to my backpack and walked around in slippers in the airport so I didn't sweat too bad. Um, and I thought that was good because they were pretty, uh, I could still war- wear them up to a pretty warm temperature and and not have to worry about getting too hot and then I thought, well, that will be great because then I can also wear them out on the trap line. I took them out to the cabin, you know, 40 miles out from town. And every time I went to wear them, my feet got cold. Uh, They just, they have that layer of insulation inside them. They have their insulated boot and an insert as well that's insulation. They just weren't warm enough for me. Now, other people probably would do fine if you don't have issues with your feet getting cold. Uh, The Schnee Extreme is just an awesome, awesome boot. 90% of... Areas in in the United States, you'd have no issue with them. Uh, I would not take those for an Alaska trip. Uh, I won't. Next time I go, I I don't plan on taking those. Unfortunately, and and I'm gonna tell you, like I, I'm not. I'm pretty agnostic about this. Is if I like something, I like it. If I don't, I don't. That's my opinion. But I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that something is is better than it is, or that something's worse than it is, just to to try to encourage you to buy a certain product. It's just. This is what it is. So, they're an awesome boot. They got too cold. The only boot that I had that was able to rival the bunny boots in warmth is a pair of boots that I've had since I was in high school. And I, I, well, it may have been college, actually. Yeah, it was college. Since I was in college, I got them for Christmas one winter. And I've had those boots. They're actually falling apart now. The soles are coming off them, Uh, some of the, the, uh, the hooks for the laces are broke off and stuff. They're really, they're coming apart. It's, it's, uh, it's time to replace them. But these are the Cabela's Predator Extreme boot. And these things are the, the absolute warmest boot other than the bunny boots that I've ever worn. They have a r- super warm um, insulated insert. As well as the the actual boot is is really well insulated. And it's real bulky, like real big. It's it's not quite as big as the bunny boot. And and the the nice thing about the Predator Extreme is that it's uh, it's really light. It's really really lightweight. The bad thing about it is it's supposed to be waterproof, but it's not. Um, over the course of a few years, it lost whatever waterproofing it might have had. And maybe it's not, but I think it is. I think it. I think they advertise it as. As waterproof or at least water-resistant, but when mine get wet, my feet get wet. So, um, so much for that. But they are incredibly comfortable and they are lightweight, so they're good for like hiking in cold, really cold weather. They're so bulky, though. I have a really hard time putting snowshoes on with them. I I can get them on under my snowshoes with these special harnesses that I have now, but uh, a typical snowshoe harness you probably can't you won't be able to fit these boots in um, because they're so bulky but they are super super warm they're made for predator hunting for just like sitting in super cold weather for long periods of time and uh they they're the only thing i would wear other than the uh, bunny boot so that's the cabela's predator extreme i almost bought another pair of them i think they're like 289 i i've kind of been waiting i've i've I just didn't want to spend that kind of money just yet. So I've been waiting, and mine are good enough duct tape on them and glue and everything else that I guess this coming winter I'm going to have to buy another pair. Oh, I knew once I got going talking about that stuff, it was going to go on for a long time. So, we're going to split this up, and the next episode will finish off with the rest of the cold weather items for the trap line. Get you all, help you get geared up if you're looking for thoughts, suggestions, and whatever um, advice on cold weather clothing. Now it is time for the Kotz Brothers Deal of the Week. This week's deal is special on muskrat stretchers. So if you need to get some more rat stretchers, getting ready to uh, to get out in the swamp and, and pick up some rats, um, you can stack up rats if you get in a good spot. You can catch quite a few of them, and uh, you can go through a lot of stretchers in a short period of time. So this deal is using the promo code RAT, Will give you three times the points, the bonus points on Sleepy Creek number one muskrat stretchers. Uh, This code is valid until September fourth, so you've got a little less than a week to uh, to get on CotsBro's.com, check out those Sleepy Creek muskrat stretchers and use the code RAT R A T for three times the points and get the rest of your trapping supplies from Cots Brothers lures. Great guys to do business with. Thanks again, guys, for the support. And until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.